We're going to be in the book of Colossians this morning, um, Colossians, at the end of Colossians chapter 2. If you're using the Black Pew Bible, this is page 1169. So this morning I'm going, going to read from verse 16 down through the end of the chapter. And just before I read, I'd like to pray with you. If you would please join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, you are beyond all limitation and beyond all comparison. Lord, there's no words, no sky that can contain you. There's nothing that can restrain you. You are great and you are glorious and you are good. So you hate all evil. We give you praise this morning for your proper hatred and your proper love. We give you praise that you are a God who loves what is true and right and good and beautiful and who hates all those things and forces that oppose you and all that opposes what is true and right and good and beautiful. Lord, how I thank you this morning that we can come to your word and open it up. Would you please help us as we do that? And Lord, uh, for all of our needs and our burdens, uh, those who are sick among us, We just pray special grace and help for those who are in need and uh, that you would glorify yourself through their lives and through granting healing. And Lord, even more importantly than the physical healing that we long for so much, we pray for spiritual healing and the transformation of the heart. So uh, we, we come to you with, with an array of things, Lord, but we, we just want to now focus our minds on you and your word, and we ask for your blessing as we try to do that. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. Colossians chapter 2, beginning at verse 16, reading to the end of the chapter. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits or the elemental principles of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, 
but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. The word of the Lord. You know, we need the Bible to tell us who we are. I've never seen as much as I have in recent years what, what, what some people might call an identity crisis, like people searching for who, who am I, what am I, um, and the Bible answers that question for us, and our t- passage today helps put a piece of that together. I'll never forget our late sister, P- Patty Bouvet, who is now in glory with the Lord Jesus, when she, was, uh, when she first came to Christ, she said, uh, you know, one minute I hated God and the next second I loved him and I didn't know why. I had to come to church to figure out what happened to me. And you know, there's a lot of um, profound truth to that because when we come to Christ, we, we don't even understand all that's happening to us. We just know we're a sinner, we need a Savior, Jesus is the only Savior sufficient for God's holiness, and we want Him. And we, 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 and we have the promise in His Word, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, and He will forgive us and welcome us into His family. But we need the rest of the Bible to tell us what happened to us then, and Part of that is a death occurred in us. Um, and so we read about it in passages like we have in our, in our text today. Paul is arguing with these Colossian believers. When I say arguing, he, he's writing an argument, not, not arguing in a negative way, but reasoning in a reasoned argument in his letter. And he's saying, If with Christ you died to these elemental spirits of this world, why do you still live as though you haven't? So he is trying to help them to avoid this, some sort of teaching that was going on in Colossae where someone was advocating, hey, I've seen amazing visions. I have connected with my angels and, and what we really need to do is go back to keeping these Jewish feast days and we need to have fasting and severe treatment of the body to find the special blessing of God. And in a very subtle way, these false teachers that were around in Colossae were shifting the focus off of Jesus onto religion. And... Uh, Paul is writing a a well-reasoned argument in this letter to pull them back to their senses. That's why he says in verse 20, if you died to the elemental spirits of this world, why is if you're still alive in the world do you submit to regulations? The the phrase elemental spirits of the world, that's been repeated throughout in this book. Um, Some translations have it as elemental principles or the rudimentary principles of this world. The translators of the ESV and other versions say elemental spirits because they see that it was demonic forces that were wielding these earthly principles and using them to deceive people. 
But Paul's saying you die. He's, he's using this as an if-then argument in verse 20, and he's leveraging the reality of the first part of verse 20 to make the rest of his argument. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world. <clears throat> what is that? What is that? Something, when we were joined to Christ, we died to the basic rudimentary principles of this world. Probably um, one of the, the most classic passages to help us understand what happened to us when we came to Christ as far as something dying is found in Romans 6. So I'm going to ask you if you join me at Romans 6. If you want, you can just listen, but it's, sometimes it's really good to see it for yourself. Romans chapter 6, the first 14 verses. If you're using the Black Pew Bible, this is page 1120. 1120. And he's talking about something else, a kind of death that happened when we were joined with Christ in Romans chapter 6. So I'm just going to read the first 14 verses of this chapter. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? So Paul's been reasoning in Romans and saying, hey, we're saved not by works that we do in righteousness, but by the, by the perfect work of Christ on our behalf. We're saved like freeloaders. We get into heaven like freeloaders. We get into heaven on the shirt tails of somebody else, namely Jesus Christ. And he's been arguing that in the first part of Romans, and so he gets to chapter 6, and, he's, and he says, some of you are going to say, oh, so it doesn't matter how we live. So should we just sin since God's grace abounded so much to us as sinners? Should we just keep piling on the sin so that grace will keep being piled on? Look at how he reasons in Romans 6. Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How can you who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. <clears throat> For if we have been united with him in a death like his we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought 
from death to life, and your members, that is your your hands, your eyes, your mind, your bodily members, to present them to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will not, will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. Now that's a, that's a lot. And we could spend weeks just in that one text. But the reason I'm referring to it, even though it's a little different than our text today in Colossians, is Paul saying, when you came to Christ, something in you died. Now, yes, I don't, I don't want to discount that something, a new life came to be. The Holy Spirit came to live within us. But something really died. And he calls it, we died to sin. We died to the bondage of sin that we no longer have to obey its commands. We are no longer under its jurisdiction. Hallelujah. <clears throat> you know, um, I've said it before, and I, it's probably not the greatest illustration, but you remember the old, the kids movie, Lion King. And you remember Simba gets, gets uh, he gets, he gets off track. And he becomes an adolescent, um, mixed up, young lion, and uh, he, 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 he starts hanging out with, the, with these, uh, these guys, uh, but he, he starts living a life that is very unlion-like, and, and one time in the movie, he has a vision, actually, after the monkey whacks him over the head, uh, he has this vision of his father, his deceased father, and his father appears in the clouds, and he says, Simba. You are more than what you have become. Remember who you are. And you, know, you know, I like that because I feel like the Bible says that to us a lot as Christians. The, the, thing, about, the thing about the Bible is something, I mean, the thing about this passage is when we come to Christ, something really did die. But we're not perfect yet. Sin still lurks in the corners of our heart, and sometimes it gets the upper hand. But something real happened. We're not just playing mind games. Something really died. And what the Bible is telling us, what Paul is saying to the Romans is, you really did die to sin. Sin does not have the power over you if you belong to Jesus Christ. So... Consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God. And don't keep presenting your eyes on the computer or on your cell phone as instruments of sin to unrighteousness, but present your, remember who you are. Use your eyes to read the Bible on your cell phone or to type a text that's going to be encouraging to someone in the name of the Lord on your cell phone. In other words, yield the members of your body as instruments of righteousness to God because that's who you really are. That's who you really are. Remember who you really are. If you, if you belong to Christ, well, even if you, I'll just say this, sin will not satisfy you. It will leave you hollow It'll, it'll leave you what feels like happy for a second. But then it'll leave you hollow and hungry and unsatisfied. 
Jesus, only Jesus, who can take away all of our sin and stamp us with his perfect righteousness and put his spirit within us, can satisfy the human soul. And he is sufficient alone to do that. If we're joined to him, that's all we need. We don't need a bunch of religious rules. Now that goes back to our text today. So I just went to Romans to say something really died, but not just we died to sin, like Romans 6 says, but in our passage today, we died to the elemental principles or the elemental spirits of this world. Colossians 3.20, if with Christ you die, we died to sin, but we also died to the basic principles of this world. And then he goes on in Colossians 2.20, why then, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. He's talking about the, the wanting to return to the Jewish law and the ceremonial laws that God's people uh, were commanded to keep. Now, there was a time when that was what God wanted his people to do, but they were all pointing forward to Christ. Now that Christ has come, don't go back to those shadows, like he said last week. You are no longer under the basic rules of this old world. Okay, here's the main idea of my sermon, since I haven't said it yet. Since we have died with Christ to this old world and its principles, we should not submit to them. Since we died with Christ to this old world and its principles, we should not submit to them. And the way this was looking in Colossae was some sort of religious concoction that was from Judaism mixed with angel worship. I don't really know all that it was, but uh, and severe treatment of the body, basically religious regulations and rules. And Paul's saying, why, as if you were still alive in the world, now there, that's a mouthful right there, isn't it, between those two commas, as if you were still alive in the world. We are alive in the world, right? But in some sense, we are dead in this world. We don't live for the promises of this world anymore. We don't believe this world is where it's at. We believe Jesus and the next world that he's making new is where it's at. So he's saying, since you died, why as if you were still alive in the world do you submit to regulations? Don't handle, taste, or touch. Now, Jennifer showed me before the service the children's bulletin that says, don't follow the rules. And you're saying, what kind of a church is going to put that on a children's bulletin? <laughs> well, what she means by that is, don't follow the rules of this old world. If, if you belong to Christ, you are no longer in bondage to the regulations of this world that would look like a bunch of religious hoops to jump through. It's also interesting when he gets to the, well, uh, I'll get to that later. My, my uh, Nigerian boys, we, 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 most of you know that we had th three African boys that came into our home. We didn't officially adopt them, but 
for all practical purposes, we did. And for the most part, I think they, they've adopted us. But <clears throat> I'll never forget, um, I think it was Kingsley having a conversation with Collins or Max somewhere along the way. They, they all have got their U.S. citizenship. Uh, they went through that process. And <clears throat> I remember, I think it was Kingsley said, what I'm really looking for is is the U.S. passport. I remember when he first got his U.S. passport, he goes, this is the money right here. <clears throat> because <clears throat> these boys have experienced uh, uh, oppression, getting stopped on the side of the road at gunpoint. This is very common in Nigeria, by the way. And I just want to say, we should thank God for where we live. With all of our problems in, in, in America, thank God. But they would get stopped sometimes at, with these guards with, with uh, automatic weapons and say, let me see your passport, let me see your ID. And <clears throat> Kingsley said, man, when you whip out that U.S. passport, they say, they, they, it, it totally changes. Because he says, that's just like, that's like authority. And I, I thought of that. <clears throat> I thought, isn't it interesting that he grew up in one country where there was a certain set of rules, and he's a citizen of that country, but he, now he's also a citizen of the United States, and he is not, he, he is freed from a lot of oppressive things that happened in his country because of his U.S. passport. And I thought, <clears throat> I believe in a similar way, that's what it is when we become Christians. We are not bound to a bunch of religious hoops. We don't have to, you know, you don't have to come to church every time the doors are open in order to get to heaven. You don't have to read your Bible every morning before you do anything else. If you have Jesus Christ, if he has you, you have all you need. So, what Paul's saying is, why are you behaving as though you're not free in Christ? And then look at what he goes on to say. Verse 23, all these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Isn't that interesting? Not only, are, not only did you die to these principles, these basic old world principles, they're not going to help you. These religious hoops that you're, trying, that you're thinking about jumping through are not going to stop the indulgence of your sinful flesh. As if to beg the question, well, what is? And it's the same thing, the same answer. Jesus. And he goes on in the next chapter, which God willing we'll get to next time. If then you've been raised with Christ, this is chapter 3, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Set your mind on things above. So in other words, remember who you are and focus on Jesus. <clears throat> and that spiritual focus is crucial for overcoming the indulgence of the flesh. But it's Jesus Christ that is the power behind overcoming and controlling sinful 
the sinful operations of the flesh. I think it's very interesting that he says they have an appearance of wisdom. These things have an appearance of wisdom. You know, there's a lot of religious practices that appear wise. But if you're talking about self-made religion, but they have no value in a walk of holiness. And that's what we want. That's what we want. If we're Christians, we want to walk in holiness. Holiness is not boredom and not being able to do anything. Holiness is happiness in God and living out of that happiness in a way that pleases Him. So in conclusion, not only are the elemental spirits and principles of this old world obsolete for the Christian who is joined to Christ, And not only are these elemental things of this old world not able to grant spiritual fulfillment and any kind of special blessing, they're also utterly useless to live a holy life. We we who are joined by faith to Jesus must remember that we died to our old passions and our old aspirations and our old way of living and to this fallen world itself. We are no longer under its power or sway, and we are alive under the lordship of King Jesus. Now we are obligated to live for him. Jesus alone is sufficient to bring us into full fellowship with God and to make us friends with God Almighty. Jesus alone is supreme over all the forces and powers and principles of this world. And he alone can make us fulfilled people who are made in his image. Jesus alone is satisfying and can bring peace to the human heart. Do you know him? That's the question, isn't it? That's where the rub comes. Do you you know him? We're not, we're not here. I hope you're not here. I'm certainly not here just to hear myself talk. The question is, do you know this Jesus? Do you belong to him? And the, the great news is that all you have to do is say, take me. I am yours. But like Dietrich Bonhoeffer said many years ago, when Jesus Christ calls a man, he, call, he calls him to come and die. So when you come to Jesus and you throw all your eggs in one basket, you throw all your eggs in his basket, he will take everything. Amen. Amen. But he'll give you joy. He'll give you joy. He'll take your dreams and he'll replace them with his dreams. He'll take your name and your record and he'll replace it with his name and his record. And he'll take your life. And a Christian is a person who says, okay, I believe. I believe. Take me. And then they spend their life poured out like a drink offering 
to help others come to treasure Jesus Christ. That's what we're supposed to be about, right? We are, we are about, until he calls us home, treasuring Christ together and trying to help others find Jesus as their treasure. If you don't know him, let today be the day where you say, Lord, all, all the religious hoops I, I don't trust in, I trust in you, Lord Jesus. <clears throat> and I want to lay my life down before you. I want to swear allegiance to you as my king. It's not a democracy. Jesus doesn't run a democracy. He runs a monarchy. He's king. And so what he says is law. I hope you have or I hope you will give yourself to Jesus Christ because all other pathways are going to lead to damnation and destruction. Let's, those of us who have surrendered ourselves to Jesus Christ, let's live like the new creation that the Bible says we are. Let's remember who we are in Christ. Let's remember who we're not, who we used to be. Let's remember who we are and let's live like new creations in Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for Paul's letter from jail to the Colossians. Thank you for Holy Spirit for guiding his pen so many centuries ago to say these words that were pertinent then and they're very pertinent in our lives today. Lord, would you help us, everyone in this room, I pray. Please, Lord, don't leave us to our own deceptions. Don't leave us to the whims of the world. But help us to realize religion and all of its hoops will not avail. But Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ will avail. Jesus Christ is King and Lord of the universe. Oh, I pray, Lord, that you will be king and Lord over us here in this place. Lord, would you help us to live like those who died together with you to sin and to this old world system and as new creatures alive to you and to the new world that you are making. Would you help us to live like that for your honor and glory, I pray. We say it all in Jesus' name. Amen.